Golight presents the Talking Bollocks podcast. Episode 144 of the Talking Bollocks podcast, 12 12s. Brought to you by Go Loud. It's me, Terry Penis. And this week we're joined by Christopher Connolly. Chris, how are you, mate? Oh, good, boys. Yeah, thanks very much for having me on the podcast. <laughs> no problem, Chris. Thanks for coming in. Yeah. Can, we, can we just, what did you say, 12 12? And I said 144. That's 12 12. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what you're on about there. I thought you meant like 11 11. I was like, what time is that? <laughs> <laughs> no, Chris, what story, mate? How are you? Yeah, all good. Come here. We're at the minute chatting in there, boys. I'm going to sting every single one of us in this room <laughs> off the bat. Go for it. When are we doing the Goggins challenge? I knew we were going to come up with that. Mm, um, right. Are you doing well to get it done this side of Christmas? Sure, we could start it tonight. We'll do it the weekend. Right, you want to push that boys? Yeah, you want to push it the weekend? Yeah, we'll, 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 <laughs> we'll be away. We'll yeah. be away next weekend, will you? Yeah. yeah, the following weekend. Yeah, yeah. so there you go. So <laughs> next weekend, my then it's Halloween. I'm not Halloween. What you going to check a treating and collecting? You're going to run around this seat while Halloween's going on. You're running earlier to earlier. Well, you got a belt of an egg. Yeah, and you got a belt of a five shot next time. <laughs> Black hats everywhere. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I'm up for it, boys. Genuinely. So and then it's November. Mm. Yeah. Then we've live shows. Get you a tickets on Ticketmaster. <laughs> He's on the ball. He's the plug. And then you're into December. Do you know what I mean? Bro, it's only 48 hours. He's good at the... He's taking up the whole month. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to have to be done on a weekend, is what I mean. So I'm not weak. Because I have a job to do. So and I have a kid point. in the gaff. And I have skill runs. <laughs> Can't do about And I have skill runs to do as well, yeah. So I'm trying to think it through. Then you're into December, and then I don't know how many. I don't see why you can't do next Friday to Sunday. Can. No, that's bro. all I'm saying. Yeah, because I'm away. This Friday to Sunday. Yeah, he's disappointed this so far. You're away. No, I'm away the following week. Or am I? No, yeah. it's that weekend you're away. Anyways, we're going to do the Goggins Challenge. <laughs> so, Chris, we'll get what are you doing here. in March 2025? <laughs> <laughs> Chris, how's things? How are you keeping? Yeah, doing good, yeah. Yeah. It's a pleasure to have you in here, bro. Thank yeah, because I'll tell you what, I am invested in your page on Instagram. Oh my God. See me and me brothers. You're literally all we talk about, no. which is mad, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So what Chris is, Chris, you're in recovery, yeah? Yeah. And you run 5K. Every single day. Every single day. Yeah. And the other day you ran your... 200 day. Today I'm on 203. 203 days of running 5K in a row. Do the maths. Go on. 203. Yeah, 1,015. Good yeah. stuff. So, <laughs> I didn't know what you wanted me to do the maths on. I was panicking. I was like, 203 ah. by 203. <laughs> 203 squared. Go on. Um, so, but, uh, but bro, I'm invested. And what, what he does when he's running the 5K every day, you do a video. Yeah. And just kind of an inspirational talk about something that's going on in life. God knows where you're pulling these from. But that's sensational. Where do you get the mouth to speak like that? When you're a lot of people do ask me that, but it, it like it really depends on the day. Yeah. What most people don't know, like what I'm ever I'm talking about on that day on the video, it's probably going on for me. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like I'm not really talking to everybody else. Yeah, I'm more so talking to myself. Do you get me? That's why it comes off a little bit more genuine and more true. And it's almost like talking myself down from a ledge. You know, like if something's going on for me at the moment or. At that time, I'll just speak about it in my head 
and then just speak about it out loud. Mm. And it just sort of makes me feel a little bit more secure. You know what I mean? Mm. And then everybody else. It's like going to a meeting. You know, when you go up to a meeting and you mm. share and then people come up to you at the end of a meeting. You don't, you don't know about meetings. Oh, I do, so like, yeah. yeah. So at the end of an, uh, in an AA or NA meeting or anything like that, you do a share where you'll stand up and you'll speak about whatever's going on for you. And then people will be able to relate to you and sort of give you a little bit of feedback back. And that's where I got the, the whole inspiration from it. You know what I mean? Being able to delve into what was going on for me at the time, share it with other people, and then for people to say, oh, I'm actually going through the exact same thing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And take some stuff from it. Well, that's what you do. Unbelievable is <clears throat> what you're speaking about is so relatable for so many people, but it's how well you articulate it in your videos that has me hooked. Like, I'm invested. Like, I appreciate legit, it, bro, yeah. Genuinely. And uh, I just want to say, well done on that. It's unbelievable. Thanks for you. But uh, have we had the... Have you got a single, Carl? Yeah, I actually have. <laughs> Mike, do you know why I was just asking that? Like, with no hope of getting that back. Yeah. Because we've never singers anymore. Yeah, I have. Yeah, <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm intrigued. It's actually mad because we were talking about the other night when I was in my mask off and you text me, yeah? Yeah. You text me and asked this thing I was being asked to me as oh, well. Boy. So this is how weird this all is. So shout out to AJ and Jesse. They said he wanted to shout out. Actually, Jesse said he wanted me to share his TikTok. He's dead boy, that young player. Fuck Go him. on, what's his TikTok? I don't know his TikTok. Holy <laughs> grand man, not on it. Like, do you know what I mean? He's, uh, he's 14 on uh, Friday. Just yeah, but he's on about 40 this color. <laughs> this is my little brother, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's bald strapped about 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Big deep voice on the lawn. Seemed like getting up to the cap and I was like, Cardinals, we'll have a strainer off you. <laughs> like, you relax yourself there, big fella. Come on, Jim. Put the kettle on, we'll let you up. <laughs> so uh, he says, Would you rather get rid of seagulls or get rid of flies? I think it's a good show. If if you're from Hout, you're picking seagulls, boys. Yeah, that's a fact. I'm from town and I'm getting rid of seagulls. Yeah, get rid of this, bro. Boys, listen. We're still in summer, basically. Yeah. I know it's October, but it's 28 degrees <laughs> out there. I fucked a 50 on me today. Yeah? Every day. So think about this, right? But <laughs> you need it as well, actually. But see, boys, in the summer, when you open the window, oh my God, what's yeah. the crack with yeah. that? Flyers all out. And you know what? <laughs> boys, I got a dog recently. Yeah, I wasn't intending to get into this. Got a dog, boys. I love her on my heart. my little best mate, little mini jacker. Yeah, she's the how she is right but she thinks I'm a nut I know she thinks I'm mad I know she's not wrong in thinking it either but she like she'd be chilling in the gap maybe we flaked out and I open the window boys and there's flies everywhere and I'm saying for fuck's sake so I get the tea towel yeah, and I'm yeah, whipping them everything. aiming it towards the window the dog is sitting there looking at me as if to say what's wrong with this fella <laughs> do you know it's what I mean? you to get the flies I tell Brennan I get the flies he's just jumping at the window and all the time he's jumping about the window <laughs> do you ever see the videos of the seagulls picking food out of people's hands and do you ever see them taking you handbags you ever see flies down that do you know what I mean? Yeah. See a man chasing the seagull over a pack, a pack yeah. of potato. Yeah, and he's a random on the street. Like, mate, give her over, mind your own business. Do you know what I mean? But, uh, <laughs> see the seagulls in town? There's a reason why you haven't heard the tourists getting battered anymore. The seagulls went in and cleaned up the streets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, when was the last time you heard of a tourist getting assaulted? Actually, it wasn't that long ago. Oh. <laughs> cool. As I'm walking over here. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you, the seagulls are in there. Now, but I get rid of flies as well, but it's a close call. Seagulls yeah. are nuisances and they're noise in them. You know what I think it is? You don't have too many seagulls around your gaff. No, I don't know. And they don't wake you up at the crack of dawn and they're not going at three o'clock in the morning and all 30. When I used to sleep in my mask, there's just no sleep. That's why everyone's killing each other in that gaff. No one's allowed to sleep. Do you remember the chicken got let loose in my lane? <laughs> Do you remember that? Big rooster, boys. Big rooster. I lived in there. 
Come here, have you got a singer? Yeah, no, no, no you put me on the spot. Yeah. We did a singer before, I remember this one, Tony had to come in my head now. Would you rather run the summer or the winter? There you go. That's actually for a man that runs. You know what? I don't know. Like, I probably, you're probably looking for a, a bit of a funny answer, but no, no, uh, no, no, I'd be out straight. I, I don't really care. You know what I mean? Looking for an honest answer. I just run and anything. You know what I mean? Regardless, I'll regardless, better, anything, I'm getting 5k done well, every day. 365 yeah. days in a row. It's going to have to be in there every season, this isn't is it? it? Every you know? condition. Yeah. So, Chris, I have a question for you actually. Just now again, it's coming into my head. Hmm. See, are you just doing this for a year? So I, I was asked that as well. I don't know. Like, I'll probably, me, me goal is the year. Do you know what I mean? But I, I don't think, like, it's very, I'll be honest with you, it's very addictive. You know what I mean? Like, keep doing it every single day. You get something new from it every day. Whether it's like you wake up and you're like, I don't want to do it. Or you wake up and you're looking forward to doing it. And then you get a hoy, you know what I mean? Even on the days like where you're really struggling with pains in your legs, you get past it. When you're done, you like to think to yourself, like, you know what? Like, I'm about to get through that. And you get a little bit of a hoy off that. You know what I mean? When your bad days are bad, you come out good. And when your good days are good, you come out even better. There's something to take away from it every single day. Mm. You know what I mean? But that's if you have that mindset, I suppose. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, you know, well, you, I was actually, what, does a fella, you'll probably know him, the hardest geezer, boys, mm. he's running the length of Africa. Yeah. And I see him. No, he's no, still no, around, no. isn't he? Yeah, he's running like 70k. I mean, I this, yeah. No, 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 no. He's running oh. the entire length of Africa. Uh, entire length, and he's like, he's probably only halfway. No, he passed the halfway there a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and it's all documented. The entire on. continent of Africa. I'd say this is this is one hundred percent beyond Netflix and all this will, but because he's been mugged and all. Yeah, does you want to see the amount of stuff that's happening to this? How Seagull saved him, no? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I was thinking, boys, and I was looking. At, I was like, when he finishes this. What's next? What? Like, like yeah. does he just go yeah. back and just walk? Yeah. yeah. Like, does yeah, he yeah. go and, like, handy CV and the Blade, Marks and Spencers? Yeah. Like, yeah, what do you yeah. do when yeah. you do that, boys? Oh, it's ultra running, you know what I mean? I think, like, most of those ultra runners now, I'd be nowhere near that. I just do it to, to motivate, like, normal jokes, folks who can't get up out of bed, you know what I mean? Mm. People who are struggling. But ultra running is supposed to be, like, fantastic for adrenaline. And that's what David Goggins and that does as well, you know what I mean? But, yeah. You ran a marathon the other day, did you not? Ran a marathon the other day, yeah. Oh. Like, I don't always just do 5Ks. Like, yesterday I ran 15K, I ran 5K in the morning and then 10K at night. Just, I just, like, I just really enjoy doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. There's, there's something, I don't know, there's something therapeutic about running and then, like, say, for example, you have an argument with your board or with your ma or with your dad. Rather than saying, you know, fuck them or getting into it, like, you know what I mean, and completely and utterly resenting them and saying something that you, you hate. I just get myself out on a run. I delve into it, like what went on, how did I react to it, you know what I mean? And as I'm running, I'm sort of solving all my problems in my mind. And then by the time I come back, everything is good. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. Like, yeah. like sort of a little bit of therapy, I suppose. 
Yeah, I understand that as well, though. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, if that does make sense, and you'll probably understand it. No, of course, you get it. You used to get the long, the long distance run, what fucking yeah. therapeutic is the word. I used yeah. to love it. You know, when yeah. you know you're going to be out there for a while, mm. close to an hour or over an hour, yeah. you used to look forward to it. Yeah. And do you know what people used to say to me? Because I used to run in the night. And loads of people say to me, why do you not run first thing in the morning? And I was like, I like sitting around looking forward to it. Yeah. I used, yeah like, yeah. I'd be out and I'd be running, I'd be quarter 11 in the night. And I'd be like, yeah, I can't wait to go out and run now. Yeah. And then, whereas other people I know, they're getting up at before people are going to work to get it done. And then they have to hold day and all. I was like, no, I'd rather sit in the gaff. And I'd watch the football or I'd go out with the lads and then like, right, I'm going to go and do my run now tonight. Yeah. Says, Good night, like, do you know what I mean? Mm. And it's Love good it. when there's no pressure, you know what I mean? Like last night, I like sometimes you get the days where you're like, you know, I have to get fucking 5k done. Like last week, I wasn't feeling the best and like I had to rest for the whole week. But I was like, you know what, I have to get this 5k done. But as soon as you get that done, it's like the world is your oyster. Mm. You know what I mean? Like anything then is possible. That's the way I choose to sort of look at it. Like whatever I do today is a bonus because I have that 5k done. I yeah. have that discipline out of the way. I have my motivation done. I'm screwed real in myself every time I'm I'm running as well like I'll sort of do a little bit of a mantra you know what I mean where I'm talking to myself in a positive light and sometimes now and then like kicks up mad shit like in my mind where I'm like in on myself or uh, criticising myself you know what I mean whether it's me skin or whether I'm having a bad hair day I know it's receding we won't go there but we'll move on we'll move on but you know something comes up and I'm just delving into it dishing it out and then everything just gets better mm-hmm you know, if you're listening to this, this is your sign to run. Yeah, serious. Because yeah. I hate that old joke of "oh, you can't run." Because yeah. everybody can fucking yeah. run. You know. Yeah, what I mean? and a lot of people do like say to me like, "Are you running away from your problems?" You know, but like I don't, I don't believe in anything like that. I can sit with myself. You know what I mean? I don't necessarily watch TV or anything like that. I don't get invested in stuff like that. But I can tell you, I genuinely love running at the start we fucking hated it yeah I had shin splints i was getting aches and pains and you name it and then before i knew it i was just like i actually really enjoyed this yeah see i don't think you can run away from your problems because it's you out there on your own in your own head exactly yeah you know what i mean there's no lonelier place than being yeah. out on the road running mm-hmm. and it's just you've no one to answer to you've no one to talk to or whatever it's you in your own head for however long that may be 20 minutes 30 minutes 40 minutes whatever who are you going to answer to then? Yeah. It's you and yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you can't run away with your problems you're by actually running. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're stuck with it. That's why I remember I was watching the, I was listening to, when I was going through treatment, I was listening to, a lot to David Goggins and he says that he never runs with headphones because he always listens to his own thoughts. You know what I mean? And that's when the inner critic comes out. That's when the inner, inner demons come out and you, like, you're just stuck with it. I mean, it's you versus you out there. And some people won't get that, but some people definitely will. You know what I mean? You could be just sitting here and then it could come on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I feel like the more that you welcome all that, the more that you get into all that, it just gets so much better. You're just aware then, okay, this is what this is. This is the the inner critic coming up in me and I'm able to get past it. You know what I mean? I'm able to welcome it. I'm able to greet it. And then I'm able to get past it because... The best of times in my mind is a lawyer, you know what I mean? And it will try to trick me out happiness, joy, love, tranquility and friendships. So I need to override that every single day, every single way, you know? Mm. And that's what... And I, I like as well what you always say as well. You always mention about when the runs that you don't want to do. Yeah. Mm. But I always found as well, because obviously we ran the marathon and we were training by that and you're on a schedule and whatever. 
And like I said, when you feel like you have to run, you kind of, oh, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. But when you get out there and you're in your own head, and I even love when you hit the wall. Yeah. If you're doing a long run, let's say if they fucking do a half marathon or whatever, and you're at 12, 13, 14, kind of thinking, oh, well, 7K to go, whatever, and you're in your head, and you're, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Yeah. And then a kilometer later, or two kilometers later, you're back in your flow again. You're at the defeat in your head. Yeah. You get into a, like a flow state. Yeah. It's the best feeling in the world. Can't, you can't you can't tell anybody what that's like. Mm. You know what I mean? They will never be able to understand it until they feel it. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? You bottle it up, you'd be a millionaire. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 Sell on the street. Yeah. No, okay. <laughs> Make you would, yeah. actually would. Um, but they're the non-negotiables. Yeah. Not about we keep Barry, you know what I mean? These are the things that doesn't matter what happens in a day, this has to get done. Yeah. And yeah, it yeah. benefits. It happened to me this morning. That's I haven't been sleeping the last uh, couple of days and I woke up this morning bollocks and I'm like, I have to go to work, but I have to go to the gym as well. How am I going to fit it in? And I woke up a bit later than usual. And I'm like, right, I'm already at the missing me time that I usually go. I was like, but I have to fucking go. And I went and got it done. Seen one of the lads in the gym and he's like, how are you feeling today? I, was yeah. like, I actually feel terrific. I said it to Owen when I walked in. I was like, I feel on top of the wall today. And I think it was that little battle, you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. When you missed, you missed about what you're going to do. Yeah. I'm going to catch up with it. And I meant and I got it done. And that's it. You have to get these things done. Yeah. That's what, like, people are probably looking at me like, geez, he's going to run 365 times in a year. Or 365 days in a row. Jesus, what like what if something happens, blah blah blah, but it's a non-negotiable. Yeah, it has to, it be, has done. to be done. Oh, and like you were percent. explaining to us there, even when you don't have the time or you you're, you're busy here and you might blah blah blah, you're like, if I can get one hour free, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. And even tomorrow you said you're gonna grow up at four in the morning. Four in the morning, half four in the morning, I'll go back. To get it done, to make sure and yeah. I love it because you were saying, if I can get it done. Everybody can get it done. What's your excuse? You and know? it's not even about like the five K. Let's take the five K over. Let's take the running over. You know what I mean? It's uh, for me. It all goes back to how I learned to get sober. It's one day at a time. Exactly. If I sit down and say to myself, "I have to run three hundred and sixty-five days, five k," that gets overwhelming. And I'm going to think to myself, you know what? Maybe I could dip out here and there, or maybe I could shortcut it. That gets too overwhelming. But if I think to myself, you know what? I just have to do it one day at a time. As soon as I wake up, find the way to do it for that day, and then whatever comes tomorrow. I'll deal with it then. Mm. But for the moment, it's one day at a time. And that's why I sort of, it's the exact same way I learned how to get sober. You know what I mean? I applied the exact same principles for my sobriety to me running, to me exercise, to me movement. And no matter what, as you said, it's a non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable now for me to stay sober. You know what I mean? But in order to keep me exercise at the highest part of like, at the highest performing performance I can do, I have to keep doing it. You know what I mean? And I just take it one day at a time. Hmm. Unbelievable. Will we go back to the start, Chris? Because we've really jumped up to now. Yeah. So we'll go back to the start. Like, what's your name? Where'd you come from? Kind of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Age and all. Yeah. GPS <laughs> number there. Mother's maiden name. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever listened to an episode? Yeah, I was. You know, uh, I really enjoyed uh, Tommy Malle. Yeah. Yeah. He's a he's a lovely fella. Tommy's yeah. a great bloke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that you really enjoyed the that podcast yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great yeah. bloke. He Genuine, is. just a normal fella, like you know what I mean? That's yeah, I really, really enjoyed that, I have to mm. say. Yeah, so so you'll know that you'll know uh, what the story is then. So if you just want to tell us where you're from, what was life like growing up? Yeah, so I'm from Fatty Man Mansions. Um and like from a young age growing up, like I never had a bad upbringing. You know what I mean? I didn't have like any bad childhood trauma that most people went through or anything like that. And there's no excuse really for me to 
put out, put out here for the life that I actually end up living, you know. Um, it was a, a regular enough life, you know. My ma was there for me, my dad was there for me. I got a lot of everything. But no matter what I got from a young age, I always felt a little bit lost, you know. I always felt a little bit incomplete. Um, I have a sibling, my sister Caitlin, um, and she's very, very close to me. You know, growing up, we have the same date of birth from three years apart, we do. But there's something closer than that that, that brings us together, you know. Um, as I was growing up from a young age, obviously living in Fatima, drugs was everywhere, you know. And I was a little bit, I'd probably say, I, I just wasn't aware of what drugs were, what they'd done, you know what I mean. And I think maybe I was probably wrapped up in cotton wool a little bit, too much towards I did not know what was going on, you know. Um, and it wasn't until the older I got, the more I started to grow in from a younger age, you know, as a, a young man in towards a teenager and stuff like that. That's when things started to, to really hit me, you know. I don't remember too much from my childhood, you know. I really, really don't. But as soon as I started getting into the, the teenage years, that's when I really started to struggle with life. I got uh, very, very bad acne when I was around 11 to 12 years of age, where I'd get lumps on my skin, on my face. And I still struggle with it to this day. And that's what the scars are from my face. But when I was growing up, I could never control the the acne or anything like that. You know, that was coming out. And as soon as that started to, to hit me, I started to struggle a lot with my self-image. You know, started to struggle a lot with, with what was going on with life. And then I think I started to hit puberty a little bit you know and then I started to struggle with my mind with my mental health with my image and before I knew it I was starting secondary school and for me that's where my life really started you know in secondary school because it's when I got hit with reality that life isn't all sunshine and rainbows and when you want something your mom and dad can't just give it to you you know for years whenever I wanted something I got it you know my mom and dad went out of the way to give me the best life that I could have. But as soon as I hit secondary school, I remember I was bullied for my skin and I was just felt out of place. And I never really felt part of, you know, I would try to portray a falsified image of myself in order to fit in with people who I didn't like because I knew if I fit in with them, well, then nobody would bully me. Nobody would, you know, touch me. But before I knew it, those people then would laugh and joke and, sort of become the the little bit of bullies themselves, you know what I mean? Mm. Which in turn then made me hate the world. And as I was just growing up, I just used to hate every single person around me, you know? And I was filled with resentment, hurt, jealousy, and just always felt like I had a bitter taste in my mouth for the way the world had been treating me. And... I just never knew what to do, you know. I always felt like I was just drifting through life and I never really had an awareness of myself or how to get out of whatever the fuck was going on for me at that time. Um, before I knew it then, I started to get into exercise. I started playing football and football was a big thing in my life because it was almost like the running. I got a good feeling out of the football. And for a while that lasted where 
I felt, you know, I felt like that was somewhere that I was able to express myself and where I wasn't judged, you know, or where people weren't um, so quick to comment on my skin or on my appearance or my height or whatever it was that was was uh, something that people could target, you know what I mean? And I felt good. I felt a little bit part of, and then before I knew it then, somehow I think the team and football team broke up and it was the same all over again. Um, How did you end up getting on in secondary school? Did you finish school or not? Um, yeah, finished finished primary school, finished secondary school. You know, I I um, I then end up moving into to Foss and all. You know what I mean? Mm. I I done all of that. You know, yeah. I never had a bad like. Um, I wouldn't have been that bad in school. It's just that my experience and my own sort of mental health was a little bit of a struggle. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Um. And then the first thing that I started to realize was that when I went into the gym, I started lifting weights. I can remember then somebody introduced me to anabolic steroids. And I started to take anabolic steroids around the age of 17 years of age. My acne was just about clearing up. I started taking anabolic steroids. And then I started to get attention for something that wasn't me spots. You know what I mean? Mm. Wasn't me acne. And then people started to comment on my appearance in a positive way. And before I knew it, I was hooked. Because for most of my life, I felt like people were like beating me down verbally through my appearance of my skin. You know what I mean? And then to have this then in a rush of people saying, geez, you look great. You know what I mean? You, you're at the putting on a load of muscle and everything else. And then before I knew it, I never really had any any luck with girls or anything like that either. You know, before I knew it, then girls wanted to know me. Girls wanted to speak with me. And it was like this whole new world opened up for me. You know what I mean? Mm. But what I didn't realize back then, that was the, it was this, a substance that I was taking in order to to ease whatever I was going through at that time, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think that was the start of my addiction through um, steroids. steroids. Yeah. Were you into drinking or when you were that young? No, when I was into drinking, see, I started my addiction off very, very late, and it was the, quite the opposite for me, you know, because I always wanted to stay fit and I always wanted to stay healthy. But as soon as I started the steroids, then I then I end up slowly but surely getting into the nightclub scene and everything else, you know. That comes with that, yeah. That comes with it because <clears throat> all I was doing was chasing highs. Between playing football, feeling part of, getting that little kick, you know what I mean? I'm feeling good. Taking steroids in the gym, people are saying, you look great, you look this, you look that. I'm feeling good. And then I wanted more. And then I wanted, right, how can I, how can I start to get more attention? I'll go out to nightclubs, start wearing tighter t-shirts, start taking more steroids, start doing harder workouts in the gym. And then I started to to delve into the, the whole um, going out experience, you know. Yeah. And before I knew it, I was hooked. Your self-awareness is unbelievable. Like the mm. fact that you, you're literally sitting here telling me exactly, exact points of your life that you mm. know what you were chasing, yeah. what you wanted when, yeah. and how you are getting it. It, it, like, it wasn't always like that, you know what I mean? But how how well you're explaining yeah. that is sensational to me. Like, even the steroids, if you would have said to me, my journey through substance abuse started with steroids, I would have said, how? Yeah. How yeah, were the steroids? Yeah, yeah. And then the fact that you had to explain that the highs were getting the attention then that comes with that positive attention, Yeah, you feel, <clears throat> is unbelievable. Like, where does that take you then? So then I started to go down the route of uh, drinking and the drink, like, it, it took me so far 
But before I knew it then, I was back hanging around with a couple of people who, like, they were just, they were people who, at the time of my life, were good for me, like, because they were only boosting me ego. You know what I mean? They were a couple of the boys going around acting the bollocks. And there's nothing wrong with that, like, if you're, if you're into that. But I was never into that. I was just doing it solely to feel part of, you know what I mean? And to feel like, like, I'm one of the boys now. I was getting an ego kick off that. I was getting an ego kick off the, the juice. I was getting an ego kick off the girls. You know what I mean? I was getting an ego kick off everything. And before I knew it, I was just living my life out of ego. That's yeah. all I was doing. Um, and then I started to to delve into selling drugs, where I started to just nothing madness. You know what I mean? Just to sort of keep myself taken over. And then before I knew it, I just thought that I was sort of, I thought I was like, you know, one of the lads out selling drugs, doing this, doing that. And then I ended up taking coke one night and didn't like it. Took it a weekend after that, didn't like it. I remember then somehow a holiday came where I was over in uh, Magaluf and then I was hooked. Didn't happen straight away. Didn't think... You know, I've heard that on a few occasions. Yeah. Where people have took coke. And they didn't like it. They said it was a bag of anxiety. Yeah, that's ex- it, a lot of people say that to me. That's exactly how I felt. I used to think to myself, like, what is the point in, in doing this? Everybody else was getting something over it. And I was just doing it because they were doing it. Mm-hmm. I was doing it once again to feel part of, you know what I mean? To try to portray that image that I was one of the boys, you know? And then as soon as I took it in Magaluf, when I came what back. What changed there in Magaluf, boy? <laughs> it was that stuff. I honestly I don't know I can't really put my finger on it but it, it sort of I think it completed something in me you know it was filling a hole you know what it might have been my nanny I can remember my nanny passed away um, and then see it, it was sort of like everything was combining together you know what I mean before when I was 18 my nanny passed away and I can remember I went to Ibiza and I started taking ecstasy for the first time before I start uh, delving into cocaine. Um, when she died, that was one of the biggest parts of my life where I felt it was a gaping hole. Because even though I had my mother and father, she was a, a big role model yeah, in my life. In a staple in your life, right? Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Something went wrong, I went to my nanny. Something went good, I went to my nanny. Good news, bad news, went to my nanny. And when she passed away, I really struggled with it. And when I went to Ibiza, took ecstasy, I felt like it filled a void, you know? I felt on top of the world. And then when I came home, then that's when I, I left this bit out, sorry. That's when I started delving into the, the whole selling drugs and cocaine and everything. And I think then when I went to Magaluf, I realized that when I was taking that over there, I wasn't really thinking about what was going on. You know what I mean? I wasn't dealing with the the grief or the hurt or the pain or everything that had went on from losing my grandmother. And I think that's the first real time that I was hit with grief in my life. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. obviously helped that. And then obviously, I know you're saying it was Michael Love, but you're in Michael Love, you're probably with the boys or whatever, you're taking drugs. That's probably why it was a good... Mm. kind yeah. of feeling for you yeah. Yeah. probably previous I'm not sure where you are when you're forced to go but you're probably in a gaff party somewhere yeah. or something yeah yeah tournament everything just fit yeah but in Magaluf everything kind yeah. of went together yeah. along it's, with the grief yeah. as you were saying yeah, it's, and now this is like whoa this is the only thing so yeah. it clicks into gear then yeah. it's like the perfect storm you know yeah. and for me that's how it happened and like 
then every time after that, I was just chasing. My whole life is just an existence of chasing a good feeling, you know. That's all I was always trying to do. And I never quite understood that, you know. But when my grandmother passed away, I was devastated. Devastated beyond belief. And I felt like the world had betrayed me because she was such a good woman. You know, she was always there for me. She brought me to church. She introduced me to so much within my life. And then she was took away, obviously, um, by cancer. And I just hated the world. And I was like I was brought back to that first feeling then when I was only starting school. You know what I mean? It was like a, a relapse of my feelings and emotions and all that shit that I hadn't dealt with back then. That I was only substituting with the the steroids, the women, the chasing, the all of this. Then came back to me at a, at a later stage of my life. And then I did not know what to do. It was all too unmanageable for me. And rather than actually dealing with it, my ego wouldn't let me because I had built this whole egotistical world around me with the lads and not crying not showing me emotions you know just going to the gym acting the bollocks and all this and I never ever dealt with it and before I knew it I was just delving into cocaine abuse every single weekend drinking partying uh, sniffing and then repeating the same existence over and over again so the <clears throat> sorry so you can back to Michael Luff then yeah, that's where yeah you felt like right. This is the drug. Like yeah. you don't think of it like that at the time. That don't you know? You just think, oh, that was some buzz. Yeah, melt the next weekend. Better go back. Yeah, fuck. and you don't even think of it as a really serious thing. It's just kind of like few gaggles, few sniffs at the boys, wrap her up, done, and it goes on every weekend. Yeah, it's like it's like a whole new world. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just like this is it was for me. It was like this is what I've always been waiting for. This is what I always needed, you know, because at the start, like it fucking it, it gives you the fairy tale. You know what I mean? It makes you feel invincible. It makes you feel untouchable. Your confidence is through the roof. You're delusional beyond belief. You know what I mean? Mm. You think you're the best looking wherever you go. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Little do you know, you look like fucking skagheads. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's how that's how I always lived my life. Mm. And then I, I just for about I'd say I had a good time for about six months to twelve months. And then when I started to to get into relationships with girls, then that's when I realized, like, hold on, I actually can't put this down, you know? And that's when the the true shit hit, started hitting the fan. So did it become more than the weekends then? Did it become daily for you or? Yeah, so like before I knew it then, I started to, I started to meet a girl and I was going out with her and having a good time and everything else. And... I couldn't stop myself from going out on Fridays and Saturdays, you know, and I would go missing, you know, mm. and couldn't really stop myself from from ever indulging in the party scene or anything else. Um, and then it just got to the stage where that even wasn't enough for me, you know. And then I'd do a Friday and Saturday, it tip over into a Sunday. I'd start work then again on the Monday and I'd go Tuesday, t uh, Wednesday and I'd say, you know what, fuck it. I'll just start on the Thursday. Thursday, Thursday, they're yeah. all just... You know what I mean? And then it's Thursday to Sunday. And then before you know it then, mm. I went Thursday to Sunday. You know what, to get through the day of the Monday, I'll take a, fuck, a couple of D5s. Mm. I'm floating through work. My eyes were closing. People are saying to me like, what's going on with you? And then I started to think to myself, I think people are starting to catch on here. You know what I mean? Well, you're still delusional at that stage. Yeah. Completely and utterly delusional. From my experience, 
I would have been still delusional yeah. at a very similar stage, and I'm talking daily. Yeah. Still delusional. Yeah. S- still telling myself. Yeah. When I wake up, like first thing when I wake up, my first thought is doing a sniff. Yeah. I would have still thought to myself that this is choice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, I'd never I, believed that I was I had an addiction. Yeah, and that's exactly how I felt as well. I used to think I'm just doing this because I like to do it. It's, that was yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just doing this because I like to do it. It's how I, I I like to live my life and. Like that substance was my God. That substance was my higher power. Because if something went good, fuck it, celebrate. Bag of Coke, mm. you know what I mean? A couple of cans, wherever it is. Something went wrong, fuck it, bag of Coke, sit in the gaff, you know what I mean? And then it just started to go down avenues that I couldn't even fathom, where I was sitting and walk down it. And I used to walk in the gym and... Like, that's no place to be doing cocaine. You know what I mean? There's people all around you. You're paranoid out your head. People asking you questions and all. You're thinking to yourself, these think I'm out of my head. Like, do you know what I mean? Um, Then it just started to escalate. Did you end up getting bad on the tablets then over it or? Yeah, so I started to to get onto a couple of the the tablets, D5s and Mm. D10s, you know, and then I started to smoke weed. But all I was doing was, looking back now, all I was doing was trying to prolong me using of the coke, you know. I couldn't, I couldn't think of a weekend going by without using cocaine. I really looked forward to it and I thought like that, that was the pinnacle of my week. Just get through Monday to Thursday. As soon as you get paid Thursday night, you're back on it, you'll enjoy it. You know what I mean? So when I was using the tablets or weed or whatever it was midweek, I was just using it to sort of drift through that week. You know what I mean? Get it done, get paid and then go back on it. You know? It's a vicious cycle that I think I think it's worse now than ever. Yeah. You can probably no. say that I'm wrong statistically, no, but just I think the statistics back are up to towards uh what's it, the highest, highest consumption in, in the world. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but even even if the statistics weren't I would like to think from people I know personally that it's a lot worse than it's ever been. Like I would say most people who I know that are around a similar age to me are stuck in that cycle and the the sad part is they they will tell you like they yeah. they don't they're not in any sort of delusion. Yeah, they will say no. I'm fucking walking me bollocks on yeah. the Thursday. I'm getting paid and I, and and I'm looking forward to going and bend down six. I'll be yeah. I used to build up a falsified reward system for myself where I'd say to myself, I'm walking my bollocks off yeah. from Monday to Thursday. This. I fucking deserve yeah. this. And anybody who stood in me way, they were against me. You know what I mean? Yeah. You were either with me or you were against me. And like if me border and at the time ever stepped in, <clears> I I just that would just push me to go on it even harder you know what I mean where I would just turn into just just a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hood yeah, the yeah. best way to explain it I'd be the, the exact same as that and I, me and my brothers always talk about this as well because they would always try and be like what What the fuck is going on with you they just say to me straight, you're in bits yeah, Story. yeah, yeah. <laughs> now people around you will kind of tiptoe and go, is everything all right? They just got me, the blade state you, you going yeah. the blade sort of And then it's, fuck you, it's fuck that yeah. bollocks. You'll do what I want, and it's that kind of thing. You resent people around you, even though they're only trying to do what you're good. You don't yeah. see that. Mm. Chris, you said that you were doing this, you were in this cycle, and you were unaware of it, but you got seen this girl, and the stack kind of coming to fruition then. How did you notice it? Because... I used to think to myself, I used to have this this image of myself, you know, like that. If I ever wanted to stop, it'd be boy uh, meeting a girl, settling down, having a family, having a kid, and that's the part, you know. But 
Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, that's the end for me. And once I do that, that's where it stops. But that wasn't the case because I end up, I have a daughter, Lucy. And when I met her mother, I used to think to myself, right, this is the perfect girl. She was good, you know what I mean? Good for me, to keep me on my toes, everything else. But couldn't stop using. Could not stop using. And still to this day, when my daughter came, like when uh, when she was born, I couldn't stop it. I can remember she was she was in the hospital and I was after being up all night and I'd go to the hospital to see my daughter and she'd say to me, you're after been using drugs. I said, me? I wasn't using drugs, you for real. My daughter's born and all. But in my head, I said to myself that when my daughter comes, please God, that's it, I'm done. You know what I mean? I gave myself an ultimatum. But that doesn't stop you because unless you truly and utterly want to stop in your heart and soul, you cannot stop and there's nobody out there to do it for you. I used to always think to myself, like it's uh, everything for me revolves back to that young age that I was at. When my ma and dad, when I needed anything, my ma and dad, auntie, uncle, nanny, granddad, somebody would be able to help me. Do you know what I mean? And because of that from a young age, I was too accustomed to that at an elder age and with my addiction, I couldn't get anybody to help me because I had to help myself. I was too lazy, I was delusional beyond belief, I was negative, I hated the world and anybody who started to try to get sober or do better around me, I started to resent them and ultimately then I started to completely unutterly hate myself because I hated the world, I hated how I went on, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't fathom why I was behaving the way I was behaving, you know, which then uh, it started to trigger like that, I... I can't keep going on like this, you know? Mm. It got actually worse for it again, didn't it? Yeah. You ended up, go on. Yeah, so I can remember then, basically I ended up splitting up with Lucy's mother. And I end, it was like everything in life for me is like a perfect storm, like we talked about earlier. I ended up breaking up a whore and then my grandfather had passed away, unfortunately. I was left his house and then my whole family then sort of, backed off on me because at this stage I was getting worse and worse I was lashing out at people starting fights with me ma and dad going to kill anybody around me and I just wasn't the person who I was brought up to be you know and I was like you know what I have no board in here given out to me I have my own gaff. I lost my job then as well I was on the social welfare I was like nobody can tell me what to do so I'm just gonna drink all the time and I started to drink every single day, started to go on it every single day, couldn't keep up with the money that was owed out in order to, to get cocaine. So I'd sell watches, I'd sell PlayStations, anything that I had in terms of me possessions, I would sell them for cocaine. Um, and then I ended up going on a bender for about, I'd say about five days. And I was sniffing and drinking and getting up to all sorts and still thinking that I was having a good time. And then before I knew it, then the cocaine just wasn't working for me anymore. And once again, I'll revolve back to this because in life, I believe in a higher power. And if you're going to believe in a higher power, you need to believe in a lower power. Mm. And looking back on this now, I believe that this is where the lower power comes in when you're in addiction. You know, the perfect storm. It all comes together. The cocaine wasn't working for me anymore. I was on a bender. I ended up meeting a fella who I hadn't seen for years. He was uh, involved in my life years and years ago. We had a good um, relationship and friendship together. Do you get me? And I was like, 
I'm flat out fucking sniffing and drinking. I can't stop it. He says, I'm the exact same. I says, but I'm not getting that off Coke. And he says, have you tried a crack? And I says, no, I haven't tried a crack. He says, do you want to try crack? I says, let's do it. I started smoking crack for two days. I was in um, I was in my house then, end up after coming back from trying crack, and my head was gone. It was mashed, and I could not, I could not bring myself back down to reality. I had no D5s or anything like that, so I did not know what else to do. Kept abusing coke, and before I knew it, my brain just snapped. And then I went into severe, severe paranoia. And at the time, I didn't know what was going on. Because any time I'd done cocaine, I'd get paranoid. I'd be thinking, my board's ripping me off. Like, she's on her phone over there. She's texting people. Is she texting my friends and all? You know, paranoia would be, in, like, introducing itself. Or else I'd be out at pubs. And I'd be sitting there and I'd say to myself, these two boys who I'm with now haven't said that in a few minutes. They're up to something. You know what I mean? But when this happened and I tried the the crack and went back to my house and started sniffing cocaine, it just went into a whole different world where I was in this so I was in psychosis at the yeah. time. I didn't realise I was in psychosis, but I was convinced that there was a hitman coming to shoot me because somehow I had done something the night before that I can't remember and he was coming to shoot me. And all I can remember doing was getting out of my house running away, getting a taxi, and I got a taxi down down to the docks, and from the docks then got a bottle of JD, and I ended up getting the boat from Dublin over to Hollyhead, and from Hollyhead I travelled down to London to meet somebody who was texting on Instagram, and didn't end up going well with them. They were terrified. My family was speaking to them like Chris was just had to flee in the country. We don't know where he is. He's with you. We don't think he's in the right mental state. And then I couldn't trust anybody. Even the fella who I went over to me, I thought he was in on this conspiracy. I thought my family were in on it. I thought someone was coming to shoot me. And I said to myself, oh my God, this is all real. This is all my reality. And I end up, I end up having a hotel over there. I managed to book a hotel on my phone and I couldn't even stay in the hotel because my family, my sister then ended up bringing me, she was roared and crying. She says, Christopher, what is going on? And I said to me, I said, I remember saying to her, are you trying to tell me that this isn't my reality, that somebody isn't coming to shoot me right now? And my sister was roared and crying saying, no, it's not. And when she was crying in the back of my head, I was thinking to myself, He's at the, whoever it is who's coming to shoot me, is at the getting in touch with them first, telling them, listen, if we don't get him, we're going to kill all yous. So they're sacrificing me, you know? And they knew then, obviously, what hotel I was staying in. So I couldn't stay in the hotel. So I started sleeping in bushes over in London. And then that's when all hell just broke loose in my mind. That is heavy. In the detail that you're even going into there yeah. of what your reality was at that time, what you thought was reality, like is I can't even explain that. Like, I can't, I, ha- I haven't got words to think of what you must have been thinking in that time and what your family must have been thinking about where you are and what you're gonna do with yourself. And like, it's so, so scary. And the thing is, it's, it's actually a very common thing. Yeah, that, yeah, you, it's yeah. about that, that amount of drug use, and they go hand in hand. You drink so much. Take so much sniff, smoke a few joints, 
few tablets to come down to get back up to go back down you can easily slip into a state yeah. of psychosis doing yeah. that yeah chemicals just all over the place and people don't realize this yeah. i'm sure three of us here now like i know more than five ten people who've gone into psychosis yeah 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 and there's not much when you, you experience it like your best mate you'd be sitting there and you'd see them say something or they do something you're like yeah. He's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah, they're not in this. They're not in the real and world. And there's nothing you can do. Yeah. And it's like when you start to realise that they're in it, they're picking up that you're picking up something. Yeah, you know, so it's making it worse. It backs them up. Mm. It's like he's off at me. He's in on whatever is going on, you yeah. know. And while I was over there, I end up I end up booking into um, like a stay city, you know. Apartment. Like, yeah, like it was only €12 Euro for a day. Not stay city. Generator, that's what it was. Yeah, it was yeah, hostile. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I said, I'm going to get them to think that I'm still in the hotel, you know, because if they send anybody up there for me to shoot me, I won't be there. So I checked into the, the generator hostel, hooked up to the Wi Fi, and at this stage, then I started getting even more paranoid. So I was thinking to myself, I'm at the hooking up to the Wi Fi here. They're going to know where I am. Once again, I'm a sitting duck. And through WhatsApp, I get a text Hello, Christopher, my name is. Um, wherever, sergeant, wherever. Uh, I'm from the Metropolitan Police. You've been reported as a missing person. So I text them back something along the lines of, fuck you, don't know who this is. You know what I mean? I'm thinking to myself, this is somebody acting the bollocks. And your man ended up sending me back a picture of his ID and it shows that he's a Metropolitan Detective. Obviously, my family had reported me as a missing person. So he ends up video calling me. And I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck is going on here? So I'm having a chat with him and he's trying to explain to me, look, would you be able to come down to the station and we'll make sure that you're safe and your family will be able to meet up with you? But in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, even the police are in on this now. Fucking hell. Even the police are in on this now. So I was like, right, you know what, fuck this. And I end up legging it out of the hustle back into the, the parks. don't know what park it was. I end up, I, what I done was, it was just like, it's like you're in complete and utter flight adrenaline. I wasn't taking coke at this stage. I was just purely like in. It was just your mind. It's just me mind, me adrenaline. Jumped into a taxi, said, bring me to the nearest park. And he did. And then I ended up getting a, a bottle of Captain Morgan, sitting in the park bushes, drinking the, par- the, the bottle of Captain Morgan, thinking to myself, right, what is going on here? And then I came up to the stage that it's everybody. Everybody is in on this whole conspiracy to get me killed. And then I started thinking to myself, what did I do? And I couldn't understand what I'd done. You know what I mean? But ultimately, I was in psychosis. So how do you go from the park? Like, what, what, when... There's an end, yeah. Because how do you come out of this state? Yeah. So it 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 doesn't really end there. Like I'm sitting in the park and my mother and father are ringing me, my sister's ringing me and I'm just on the brink of, at this stage, I couldn't, I couldn't believe a word they were saying. They were all trying to explain to me what was going on, but I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. You know what I mean? So I was very close to taking my own life over there, but I just didn't know how to do it. Um, And then... I end up getting a couple of quid sent over to me, probably about 15 euro for a, a box of chips and fish. Or my sister was trying to buy drugs out of that. I was wandering the streets and I said to myself, you know what, I can't keep living like this. I can't keep living like this. So I said to myself, right, what's the next thing that I can do to ease all this? And I said to myself, I need to look for heroin. So then I just started to walk around London asking people for heroin. 
if anybody could get me tablets or am and I'll be quite honest with you at the time I did not realize how like dangerous London was mm-hmm. but it is very very dangerous and when you're walking around asking people for heroin over there like remember what people were second like obviously people on the streets I was asking you know what I mean wasn't asking just regular Joe Soaps mm. but people were second looking at me you know probably thinking this fella's a copper yeah you know um and then before I knew it then, I was just I, I was just going back and forward between the streets and then in now bushes, you know. It was it was like it's exactly how it sounds. It is torture. And then I end up video calling my sister and she wouldn't answer. And I didn't understand why she wouldn't answer, you know. Obviously, like I was still in this pity potty as well. Where how long is this going on for? I was in psychosis for a month, but I was over in London for five or six days on the streets. Um and sister wouldn't answer so I knew something was up and I texted her I said if you don't answer right now I said I'm going to end up killing myself just trying to manipulate her you know and she had to break it to me she says listen me and my dad are in London we're looking for you and we want to bring you home and I don't know what made me do it but I just ended up trying to meet up with them I was paranoid out of my head I can remember thinking to myself, like, there's something going down here. But the only way for me to find out if it's true or not is by meeting up with them. Long story short, I ended up meeting up with them. My sister was across the road. I seen them. I was, wasn't telling them where I was yet, you know. Scoping it out. Scoping it out. Yeah. Saying, like, is there anybody with them? You know what I mean? Is this true? Is this hitman who was coming after me going to blow my head off in broad daylight? But at the end, I end up meeting them. They came over to me. And this is how crazy this is. As soon as I met them, they didn't even say one word to me. A police van came around the corner, sirens and all on. And I said to myself, this is all true. Don't know what made me stay there, but I just stood still. The police van ended up turning the other way, went away from me. And then I was just at ease. Do you get me? Because I was so certain they were coming for me. Either I killed somebody or uh, I'm at the doing something wrong that all of this conspiracy is going on and somebody either wants me locked up or they take me life, one or the other. And then my sister and my dad started trying to explain to me what was going on. I couldn't I couldn't fathom it. They said, look, will you come to the hospital with us? I was like, yeah, I'll go with you. So I ended up going to the hospital with them. They checked me into the mental hospital. And then my dad said to me, he's a diabetic. So they were panicking at home, like, we need to get over here to him. He's thinking about taking his own life, obviously flew over, uh, got the boat over. This is in the middle of COVID. They had to get a special note and all off the doctor. So it was that soon? Yeah. It wasn't even yeah. that long ago? No. I don't know still how, they still don't know how they end up letting me on that boat, you know, to, to go over there as well. But they end up having to get a, a note and all off the doctor. And they end up making it over. But my dad had to go back to get his medication for his diabetes. So they left me in the mental hospital. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, right, they're at the checking me into this hospital. And they're at the going home. And now I'm a sitting duck. I said to myself, surely if they cared about me, they wouldn't have left me in this hospital. Do you know what I mean? They would have come over, stayed with me, made sure I was all right. But what I didn't realise is that they had left in such a panic that he didn't bring the medication over that he needed to to bring over him. Do you know what I mean? And I ended up talking. The police are standing beside me, obviously, because I'm a flight risk. And I said to the copper, do you not think it's a bit weird 
that my ma, my dad and my sisters had to check me in here. They think that I'm in some mentally induced psychosis from taking drugs. And I think there's someone coming to kill me. And ultimately, I'm a sitting duck here. If they cared about me, would they have left? And the couple turns around and says, no, I think you're right there. That is a bit strange. And I said, what the fuck? And I just jumped up and I was going ballistic. And then they end up saying that they were going to transfer me to some proper place. End up bringing me to the proper place. And at this stage, I said to myself, I need to talk my way out of this. I need to talk absolute sanity to these people. Even though up here, I was insane. I was gone. And I end up talking my way out of that mental institute. And they let me walk out. My ma, or my dad, my sister, were going back to Dublin. And I got my phone back. And I rang them. I said, look, I want you to know that I'm back on the streets. I said, they didn't keep me in there. And if you really cared about me, I was just on this whole self-pity thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was trying to fly, find flaws in the in the story, you know, to back up my yeah. reality. And I was like, look, I'm back on the streets. If you really cared about me, you would have been here and looking after me. And it just went on for another couple of days. It's, it's so scary, that whole situation. And I know... You're sitting there openly saying like you had a victim's mentality and you wanted everyone to pity yeah. you or whatever. I'm trying to think as well now, what was your family going through? Yeah. In that moment, like and your sister, when they hear you're at the getting elder, what is their next heart like? Yeah, mm-hmm. and my sister says it to this day. She says, when all this happened, Christopher, she said, I just was in flight. I just didn't know what I was doing, didn't know how to do anything, but I was just going over there and I knew, like London is a big place, but I knew I was going to find you. Mm. And I knew we were going to help you. Do you, you know? speak to your family about this now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what, what's the take on it from their side? Like, what, what do they think was going on? They, they just, they knew that I was in psychosis. Yeah. You know, because they had been told. But nobody, I've never heard about psychosis until I was in it. Mm. You yeah. know, I didn't know the depths of it. But basically what it is, it's a falsified reality yeah. that you are living in that everybody else cannot see ultimately only you mm. and they knew what was going on but I didn't you know I was still in this whole thing that someone's coming to shoot me or else I'm at the murder somebody somehow and I'm getting locked up everything was going through my head and I ended up bringing a fella out of recovery and I explained to him what was going on he said to me listen Chris I'm going to be honest with you you're in psychosis right now and it wasn't like I was fully in it you're in it for about an hour two hours and then you're back to reality then you're able to say, hold on for a second, I think I'm all right here. Do you get me? Mm. I think this might be my mind. And when I met them, I think I was sort of out of it a little bit. You get what I mean? And then you go straight back into it. And before you know it, then it's just terror. And what do you think when someone tells you you're in psychosis, does that snap you out of it or does that amplify the state you're already in? Like he's telling me I'm going off the head, he's in on a kind of buzz or what way does that work? So it wasn't until... I can remember my cousin Anthony was talking to me on the phone and he said to me, listen, Christopher, your mind is gone. You need to understand that. This is from the drink and the drugs. And when he was saying it to me, I was like, this cunt is in on it as well. I said, every one of them are in on it. And then somebody else would talk to me and say the exact same thing. But when I was sort of over it a little bit, mm. then I'd, I'd start to pick up on it and I'd be like, okay, maybe, maybe this is what's going on. And my ma and my sister came back over 
to bring me back home to Ireland. And I said to him, listen, the only way I'll go back to Ireland is if we get to live down the country in like a safe house, you know. And they were like, look, we'll do whatever you need. And on the boat then, on the train down from London back up to Wales, because you couldn't fly because it's in the middle of COVID. On the train then back up, I was going in and over like there's no tomorrow. I was ringing people and asking them, like, is this my reality? Is this really going on? And people like Chris were like, it's your mind, I promise you. And I was just in a fight, a fight with it. And it was the worst time in my life, I'll be honest with you. I don't know still to this day how I didn't take my own life because it's not like, like, even though it does sound terrifying, it's even more terrifying because it's, it's all of the emotions that revolve around terror. Mm. induced into you and it's not like you're terrified like beyond belief it's you're feeling it in your stomach in your soul everything is screaming at you get out of here and get out of here now you know um but i end up going back to ireland um they end up bringing me to the matter um in the matter then i end up trying to speak to them what was going on you know they didn't understand what was going on with me then as well because I was like even though I was in psychosis I was speaking the way I'm speaking now mm. I was speaking politically correct mm. I was speaking sense you know and then I just said to myself I just need to talk my way out of this I need to excuse the pun talk bollocks mm. you know what I mean and I was like like that one <laughs> I was you like ain't on that one <laughs> <laughs> my fans are sweating here like the and he's like do you like that one <laughs> I'm like your nerves are gone <laughs> I'm fucking freezing from the oak for fuck's sake the AC um, but I was in the matter and my man and dad were like look just go in and tell them what's going on with you and I can remember my dad was terrified he was terrified he was and me and him went into the matter, talking to the doctors. And I said to myself, you know what, I'm just going to get out here. So I'd be able to come up with this master plan where I was speaking to them in terms that I knew they'd let me out. Mm. I knew they'd release me. End up getting released out of the matter. Then they couldn't, my family then obviously couldn't bring me to a safe house down the country. They're not fucking, they're not anything above playing working class people, you know what I mean? We haven't got the... These aren't millionaires. We're not millionaires, you know what I mean? They have a safe house, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so I went back to me, me, me house. And then I was just paranoid. Kept going in and out of psychosis. Are you using drugs and drinks? No, then? I was sober. At this stage, like, I was sober for a week. And I can remember, like, when I was feeling all right, I'd say to my sister, how good is it? I'm sober a week. And I'd say she was thinking to herself, oh, this young fella's fucking, he's gone, you know? Um, and then the bouts of psychosis kept coming in like waves. They'd be here, they'd be gone. But when they were bad, they were bad. So rather than bringing me back over to the matter, my family kept bringing me over to Hospital 6 in James's. And I went over two or three times where I kept talking shy to them. And they just kept letting me out. And my ma and my sister were roaring and crying, you know, trying to play with them. She said, look... There doesn't seem to be anything wrong with him. But I was literally, and I mean it, talking my way out of the hospital. Because I knew if they kept me in the hospital, I was a sitting duck. So why would I want to be induced to it? Do you know what I mean? And no matter what, no matter what uh, state of psychosis you're in, if you're 
thinking in your head, if I stay here, I'm, I'm dead. I'm dead. You'll be able to come up with anything. Anything, anything. And I was so clever. Well, I'm trying to think, is that a flaw in the system? Or is it literally just, you can't physically say to someone, you're in a state of psychosis, if they're sitting there saying to you, I'm fresh, I want to leave. Exactly, that. yeah. There's nothing wrong with me, I'm cool. Then you're leaving going, thank God well, that hitman's not getting Anyone in a state of psychosis is going to tell you they're fresh because you can't differentiate your reality. No. But I mean, if he sit down, if he sits down like this in front of you, but oh, yeah, in yeah. his head he's like, there's a hitman coming to get yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And if I stay here and dead, so we better look calm, calm boy, yeah. and say, listen, I'm, okay, I'm all yeah. right. There's nothing yeah. wrong with me. Genuinely, I think my family's living in the marbles. Yeah. And I'm then right. even like there was a state then over there where I was getting like because uh, your heart rate and all goes up while it's happening, and you're like really yeah. jit. You need to get out of it. Yeah. yeah, the adrenaline's probably like course and course and and the one of the nurses hooked me up to an IV, and I don't know what she put into me, but it was like a clear sort of saline solution. Don't know what it was, but I'm thinking to myself. Is she putting poison into me? And I was like, oh, I need to get out here quick. So they were doing tests on me and all, you know, to see if I was probably still on drugs while I was, like, my family are speaking like that. And they're obviously coming up negative. So it ended up coming to the turning point where one of the doctors ended up saying, look, we'll give him medication. And he gave me medication called Lanzapine. And when I went home, I said, you know what, I'll just take it. Because I knew I was still, like feeling a little bit weird you know and didn't know what was going on but I was still trying to fight it and going back in it and going back out of it so I started taking the the medication of Olanzapine and that's when I started hearing voices oh, yeah. and it was the scariest time of my life because it it brought me back down to reality but then I was hearing like did you ever hear about people speaking about DMT yeah where these hear elves and everything like that that's where I started hearing I started hearing elves and like mad mythical creatures speaking to me in my mind, telling me to kill myself or telling me to go on. Sorry, Chris, what's the goal of the medication then? What was it, that? What it was to, that for? I think the goal of the medication is to, it's an antipsychotic where it brings you down a little bit. You know, it sort of reduces the, the whole psychosis, but it left me restless. It left me, I couldn't sleep. I had an, a crazy appetite and I was hearing these voices and I was telling like the doctors, like I'm hearing voices from this and they're like, trust me, you're not, you're not, you know, you're really not. And I was like, no, believe me, I really am. Because every time I put my head on that pillow, I keep hearing elves and I keep seeing like visual, like when I'd close my eyes, I'd see like crazy things. Like one of the things I remember saying is like a trump card of a footballer. You know the top trump cards? Yeah. I'd see a top trump card of a footballer and I'd be like, what's that doing in my eyelids? I can remember thinking that, that's stuck in my eyelids. Do you get what I mean? Mm. It was the craziest stuff ever. And I just did not know what to do. And then I ended up speaking to a fella and he said, I think it's time for you to try go to treatment. And he ended up introducing me to Asheree, which is down in Wexford. Mm. And I had a chat with the guy over the phone about Asheree, told him what I was going through. And I swear to God, it was the first time in all of that where I said to myself, I'm going to be all right here. I just got this overwhelming sense that this fella knows what's going on with me, you know, and he will be able to help me down there. And I ended up going down towards treatment. I meant I met the the doctor 
in the treatment facility and explained to him about the Alanzapine, explained to him about what I was hearing in my mind. And I swear to God, he said to me, everything's going to be all right. Just reassured Just re- mm. reassured me. And on the way down there, I didn't want to tell my family, but I was taking myself off that Alanzapine because in my head I said to myself, you know what, whatever goes on down here, I'm in the right place. Yeah. These I, I had it was just like a, a sense in my stomach or in my soul or my intuition that this is the place that's gonna be able to help me. That was your safe house down the country. That's a, that's actually I never okay. even, Yeah, I never even oh, oh, no. Jesus. Really? Now that's that's a, a common no, that's, that's a zinger. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> <laughs> that's a zinger. Oh my god, mate, what's your college? You know what what? Doing 140 something podcasts. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> me. Yeah, that's actually yeah, one. I never even thought about that mm, before. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, it's expensive t- uh, safe house <laughs> 10 grand of us books where the Belton Wexford is it um, it's I don't can't really remember I can remember just getting off the dart and just having to to walk up towards it you know so it's in Wexford Town then probably yeah Wexford Town but uh, amazing treatment facility end up taking myself off the medication down there as I was down there interacting with everybody I can remember I was just erratic Erratic of us. I was trying to go around telling people like what went on with me in London and all and trying to build up once again this whole image that I had, you know, of like being somebody who I thought people wanted to know, you know what I mean? And I can remember those people were just running away at me. They would just leave me and fucking not even in like speaking into me, you know what I mean? And we had group of a Monday. You get group therapy down there. And the counsellor opened up and he says, would anybody like to open the group off uh, with a topic? And about three or four of them put their hand up and say, one of them like was like, I'll speak for us. Uh, he keeps speaking about uh, his uh, addiction and how good cocaine is and how like speaking about war stories and sort of glorifying drugs. And I'm sitting there like, what? I thought we were all having a good time. I was still delusional. Mm. You know what I mean? I was still completely and utterly gone. And when that happened, that's when I realised, oh, holy fuck, like, I'm in big trouble here. I need to sort all this out. So you were trying to get back to that image of what you were, whereas the goal of being down there is to actually reinvent yourself. Exactly, yeah. And that's when I, that's when, like, the psychosis is calming down a little bit, you know. Now I still get little doubts of it. I was, I stopped taking that medication but then when I was in, in the in the group therapy, I got to speak more freely about what was going on exactly for me. And I can remember the counsellor says, whatever you speak about, nobody here is going to judge you. Everybody has their own cheer. So I started to delve into a couple of things that was going on for me. And the more shit I was able to speak about, like truly what was going on for me, the more then the, the people around me sort of welcomed me. Do you get what I mean? So it was a very... It was the vulnerability, it was maybe. Exactly, yeah. Like you, you know when someone's being real, when they're being vulnerable, when they're being open. Exactly. And yeah. they can sense that they're not, and they're like, he's just telling us what's going what's on. What's going on, And yeah. I'd imagine someone could relate to some stuff, and some are probably going to use a blade and head case, yeah. but still, yeah. at least he's being open, open and honest. So then I just found that the more open I was, the better. Mm. For sure, didn't I end up being a little bit too open, told him that I stopped taking me medication. And the fella who was in the room with me ended up telling the counsellors, like, 
I'm in the room with this fella. He's had to stop taking his medication. Like, he's liable to go off the head and kill me at any time. And then I was brought in and speaking with the counsellors. And I said, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I just took myself off that medication because I couldn't, I couldn't fathom, like, coming down here, trying to get off drugs, still being on some sort of drug. And I knew that was, you know, causing me all this. And then they end up letting me meet the doctor down there. And he said to me, look, he says... I'm going to make sure that I sort of monitor you for all of this. Any bad thoughts or anything like that, come back to you. Let me know straight away. And I swear to God, I felt totally at ease. I said to myself, this is the one doctor who's actually understood that what I'm expressing is really going on for me, you know. And then from then, like addiction for me was like a downward spiral. But recovery, as soon as I stepped into that treatment centre, it was like an upward spiral. The more open and vulnerable and transparent I was with everybody down there around me, the more I grew, the more I got better. And I mean that. I was in these circles where you're speaking about whatever is going on for you on a day-to-day basis with other people who are able to, to... highlight whether you're being genuine or whether you're being fake or if there's something going on with you at that moment that you need to address they're able to boom zinger over to you and say look at remember the other day you were speaking about this why don't you speak about this now today in, in the circle and see how it's going and then you're like put on the spot so you have to deal with all these uncomfortable uh feelings emotions you know down there then as well uh, they'd get you to speak about your uh, childhood where you do a childhood story then you're able to identify that's how I'm always able to go back to where what was going on for me and in, in my addiction and my childhood and pick apart why I was behaving or acting when I was and what was going on for me at the time and it was just like everything just started to get better and in treatment I went from strength to strength to strength. And then before I knew it, I had become in touch with the reality of what I've done down there. And Chris, sorry if I interrupted. Right. And all of this that all of this madness that was going on. Well your relationship with your daughter. Yeah. It was what was there was non existent for was that non, period. Non existent. Yeah. And that's when I started to that's exactly where it hit me. Oh my god. I'm at the fucking up a perfectly good relationship with a very, very good girl. I'm at the throwing away my daughter. I'm at the making my whole family hate me. I'm at the going across the fucking water like a madman. And all of this then started to hit me. And I was distraught. I was roared and crying. And before I knew it then, I was in panic mode, trying to explain to everybody how sorry I was. I was writing letters. You're allowed to send letters home from treatment. I was writing letters to everybody, like a madman, sending them home, apologising, telling them that I finally can see what I was doing. Uh, I wasn't aware of it. And trying to make amends, you know. Mm. But I was just coming into, into terms of what I had done, what I had caused, and the actual life that I was living you know and as soon as that all hit me that's when that's when life really began for me mm. because then I started to to delve into a lot more of what's going on with Christopher you know what hurts me what still hurts me 
what have I done right, what have I done wrong in my life and how do I start to rectify everything that I've done in my past and then from treatment then I just went to strength, to strength, to strength. Couldn't obviously see my daughter and I was in panic mode because like obviously being a father who was absent from their daughter and then when you get better, you're like, oh, I want to be able to to fix that. You know what I mean? I don't want my daughter to, to be away from me. And I was just terrified then to go back home. And it wasn't until then me forced, because uh, primary treatment is for 28 days. Well, down here it was. And you're allowed to go back home. But one of the counsellors had said to me, listen, there's a secondary treatment centre. Um, it's secondary treatment. We go from primary then to ashery then secondary, where then you'll be able to live in the house with nine other men who are learning how to sort of relive back in life. Reintegrate. Of, kind of, exactly. Yeah. Reintegrate mm-hmm. into life of sobriety. I was roaring crying. I broke down. I said, I can't. I have to go home. I have to be Lucy's dad now. You know, I, I can't. And I was thinking to myself, like, what if some other man comes in there and does the job that I was supposed to do? That was going to kill me. And I was caught then in between going home, trying to fix that or going to secondary treatment. And it wasn't until my sister wrote me a letter and she said to me, look, Christopher, Lucy is always going to need you in our life. And one day, she's going to need you to walk her down the aisle. And you won't be able to do that if you ever go back out drinking or using drugs. And that's when I knew I had to go to secondary treatment. And I went. And it was one of the hardest times of my life because I was hit with a ray of emotions of what I had caused her mother, what I had caused her, what I had caused my family, and just the destruction that I've caused to everybody. And I felt like my life had completely fallen apart. And I did not know whether it would ever get better or not. And all I wanted to do was try to fix it as quick as I can. And then down there, one of the counsellors said to me, look, all you need to do is keep it in the day. And day by day, just do what you can with what you have. And I promise you, it will all get better. And then he said to me, I promise you now, you are exactly where you're supposed to be. I just took his word for it. And every day I woke up, I would delve into group therapy every single day um, in secondary treatment. They were sort of reintegrating you in towards um, sports or activities with the rest of the boys where you're having a laugh and a joke and able to feel that camaraderie, that friendship, that good, healthy relationship with other men that was only built on friendship wasn't built on trying to act the bollocks or selling drugs or trying to be somebody who I'm not trying to be. It was pure and utter respect and friendship. You know what I mean? Mm. And then from there, I just kept growing and getting better and better. Then I was allowed visits. My daughter was able to come up to me. My family was able to come up to me. What was that like when you first seen her? It was very, very emotional. Mm. I'll be honest with you. She was still very young at the time. Yeah. She was only two, you know. For you, like. But for me, I was like, this is why I'm doing it, Mm. you know. This is exactly why I'm doing it. And remember, I wrote a, a letter back home and I wrote, I used to write poetry and all. 
it was like, <laughs> it was nuts it was, you know. Um, I end up thinking, I end up writing a, a note, a letter back home and I have the, the poem back at home in my house. But I end up always writing to Lucy, my daughter, and telling her that whenever, obviously she's two, but it was more so for me, you know. Yeah. More so to, for me to, to sort of let her know that her dad was always looking out for her, you know. And I wrote to her and I said to her, whenever you look up at the night sky and you see the moon, I want you to know that wherever I am, I'll be looking at that same moon. And that made me feel connected to her, you know. It made me feel like that whenever the shit got dark or grey, that I was doing this for her, which ultimately I couldn't do for so long because the more you do something for somebody else, the more you'll give up, you know. But it helped me in order to realise that I had to do it for myself. And then... I started to delve into my self-worth, which I ultimately learned that I never felt enough. I never felt good enough. And I always felt less than than everybody around me. And it was because I was always trying to live up to falsified expectations that I was building up for myself by the people around me. And I was trying to fit in with groups who would uplift my ego. So then I was at an inflation of self-worth and self-belief. But when I went home, I was deflated. So how did I start to build all this back up? And I remember then thinking to myself, I'm at a stage now where I'm at nothing. So I'm stripped away from everything. So all I need to do now is build myself back up. So I forgot everything that I had been taught or teached before. And I started to build myself worked up from the ground up. I started to uh, lift weights again. I started to exercise. I started doing counselling. I started to ask myself what were my qualities and um, where was I not so good at in my life? And I started to work on my weaknesses and my strengths. I started to become vulnerable. I started to become open. And anything that was sort of pulling me back in my life, I made sure that I addressed it. I didn't sweep it under the rug. I made sure that anything that I needed to, to sort of come to terms with, that I came to terms with, you know. And down there... I was going through some horrible, horrible stuff where I had to write out um, all the fears that I had for going home. The fear of Lucy calling somebody else her father. The fear of uh, my ex-girlfriend meeting a partner. You know, these were all some insecure stuff that I was very, very afraid of. But it was the reality that it actually might happen. So if I was going to go home and these things did happen, well, then I would have to deal with them because that's the reality of life. Life didn't revolve around me anymore, whereas in my addiction, I thought it did. Mm. But life is for living on life's terms. And it doesn't matter whether you're the fucking Pope or whether you're somebody on the street corner. Whatever life decides to throw at you is your reality. And you need to deal with it the best you can. And you're not going to be able to deal with uh, all these things that, that life throws at you by resenting people, by getting jealous of people, or by fucking hating the world. Because whatever happens to you, it's tough shit. What's the next best move on the chessboard? That's what, everything that I think of now. Mm. What can I do next in order to make this better? It's absolutely, it's, it's very weird that you went from being in a state of psychosis to just jump and train into this is reality and I have to deal with it. 
you didn't tiptoe back out psychosis and into reality. You were like, no, bang, reality's here. Yeah, and I, I, I couldn't understand how that exact what you just said there. You're a little bit of a psychologist now today. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, well, he's a talent. That's yeah. 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 I just show up. <laughs> he's on the ball, uh, but. What I didn't realise that another terminology for psychosis is also a spiritual awakening. And I truly, truly believe that when that happened, I had a spiritual awakening because I was able to see the world, not the way I wanted to see it, but the way it was, you know. And the more then I felt that I was open and honest with the world and itself, the more everything just got better. You know, I started to build up a relationship with with God and I'm not like, I'm not a preacher and I'm not the most religious person, but when something goes wrong or something goes right, I try my best to remember to get down on my hands and knees and give thanks or to ask for his voice. Before coming on this podcast, I had a little prayer. Just let everything go okay, you know what I mean? Don't let me suffer too much with my nerves. Anything that anybody thinks about that's actually very normal to think about, I just ask for a little bit of help, a little bit of guidance. And then from there, then I try to structure myself out to it, you know what I mean? It's okay to feel certain feelings. It's okay to feel certain emotions. However, it is not okay to let them dictate your life, to stop you from doing something productive in that day. If you're supposed to do something that is going to help you in the long term, but it's not going to be good at that, that, that time for you or you don't want to do it tough shit you have to get it done is it play the cards you were dealt yeah um, I think it's I think your story Chris will apply to a lot of people because as you said at the start you had no this like this sorry you didn't have this one big traumatic event or this thing in your childhood that led to an addiction you just kind of developed it yourself through insecurities yeah. and there'll be a lot of people out there who are probably in the middle of it being like I'm grand, like nothing fucked up happened to me. I yeah. just like this party buzz or whatever and they don't realise that they have a lot of insecurities deep down that they haven't faced. So I think that will apply to an awful lot more people than you you would think so. Um, I hope they learn as well that sometimes you can be delusional. Yeah. Because I know an yeah. awful lot of people who are stuck in a vicious cycle who tell me it's choice. Yeah. And because I, I just be honest, I, I, I don't like to try and be a preacher to anybody. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. Where I, like, you're going to do what you're going to do. Like, putting pressure on somebody is Isn't never going to change them. Yeah, of course. It's different one for me. It's not going to for nobody else. So I never do that. But I tell you straight if I think that you have a problem. problem like, if yeah. you ask me, or if we're on that conversation, I'll say, well, look, pal, you're fucking doing this and this and this. Obviously, it's not a great look like, yeah. in terms of, it looks like you're in a state of addiction. You know what I mean? And they, they, it's a lot of people will tell you, no, this is choice. Like, I can put that down if I want to put it down. I should try it then. Yeah, exactly. Just, if you can, try it. I don't want mm. to. Okay. Um, one thing that I've, I've learned as well, like, because obviously you can become delusional to yourself, but there's another thing as well called mass delusion where the group facility yeah. that you are in is all delusional because they have built this sort of community that protects them from the outer world, mm. which is involved in them standing at street corners, mm. smoking joints. You know what I mean? Say, for example, for every 10 group of youngflis, all right, who are standing at the street corners and getting away with having a joint or doing whatever they're doing, there's at least two of those youngflis in that group who are going home struggling. And don't want to tell the rest of the boys that they are really fucking struggling to keep up doing what they're doing. And they don't know any other life for them outside of that group. So all they're doing is keep showing up 
and keep down with their down. They're going home miserable. They're probably having a hard time with their mother and father because they can't express themselves with their group. They don't want to see them less than at home. They don't want to see anybody seeing that vulnerable side to themselves. So they keep doing it. And that's what happened with me. I just mm. kept doing it because I didn't want anybody to see me as weak. But ultimately, That was a great explanation there you know? as well. Mm. Yeah. And I, I would say it's a minimum of two yeah. in a group of 10, you know. I get I get a lot of young fellas texting me and young fellas who you, you wouldn't believe, you know what I mean? Mm. And I would never, ever, uh, I would never speak Exposed yeah, them. or anything like that because that was me, you know what I mean? Mm. But the crazy thing is that this is affecting so many young men, mm. young women. And I have a lot of girls texting me saying, can you please text me, fella? Because he's paranoid thinking that I'm carrying on uh, on him or that I'm doing something that I'm not doing. And it's the drugs that's sending you like that. Mm. You know what I mean? It's the drugs that make you believe in a falsified version of reality. You know what I mean? And everybody else can see it, but you can't see it. You know? And it's like, I used to... Say, for example, if something was going on for me and I, I, wanted, I wanted a certain answer, I would go to the people who I knew were going to give me that answer. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if I said to myself, have I got a problem with drugs? Am I being paranoid? And I knew to myself, you know what? Tardens is going to tell me the truth and he's going to crucify me. I'll say, you know what, fuck it. I'll say to Calvin. Because mm. he'll butter me up mm. and he'll tell me. He's the, the yes man. He's yeah. the yes man. He'll tell me the dream. He has me back. You know what I mean? But in reality, he doesn't. No. Yeah, I listened to uh, Jimmy Carr on Joe Rogan today and they were talking about accountability. And like, you know, if you're talking to someone under 18 and they'd be like, oh, I had a fucked up childhood, this is why I, the way I am, you'd be like, I'm very sorry to hear and I understand that. But when do you stop that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you're 40 and you're like, oh, I had a fucked up childhood, this is why I'm fucked up, you're like, no, that's not good enough. You need to have accountability now. You had enough time they realise this and deal with it. But and I think it's trying to understand as well how the fuck you do it. Because if you, if, if you do have a fucked up childhood, you just grow up knowing that you did. And it's like, how do I stop this now? Because now we have a whole load of baggage from life and you don't know how to do it. Yeah. And like counselling, that's like a... If you're a youngler like us, yeah, we're just youngless from town. Counselling, I'm not going to counsel. Yeah, of course. I yeah. talk to this, I go to here. Mm. Yeah, I, can't, I can't do that. I'm smoking joints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Snip with the boys on the weekends. I'm not you know, and there's that kind of thing. But there's also knowing, I have all this shit. I'm the ground up with all this baggage. And you do think the world is against you. And you fuck the universe, fuck yeah. the world, fuck yeah. God, fuck this. But it's just like, I think people like that, just don't know how to offload the baggage that they have been mm. given because sometimes you can't be dealt a poxy deck of cards. Yeah. And that's just it. You ju this is just how it's how it was for you. And this is what you have now because of it. And now it's trying to learn what's the right direction to go to offload that. Mm. You and, know, and it's obviously different for every different human. Yeah, and that's why I try to encourage people to find out what works for them. Yeah. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because, like, although you'll be able to pick parts of somebody's story that identifies with you, like, ultimately, 
I would love to be David Goggins. But I'm not fucking David Goggins. Do you know what I mean? Mm. He has his own principles that work for him. However, he does inspire me. What he does, I do um I do like the 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 way he presents himself and the characteristics and behaviors that he has himself. However, I'm not David Goggins, mm. I'm Christopher Connolly. And there's certain things that I need to work on for myself in order for my life to get better. Yeah. Because everybody's life is and different. Not only that, you can literally go to the same trap. So me and you, Chris, yeah. Mm. We can both have a father's diet at eight, a mother's diet at nine, a brother's diet at ten. We've went through the exact the same thing, but we're different. Exactly. The coping yeah. thing's different. Yeah. You can end up, this way I hate this, I hate this uh, kind of narrative or this kind of vision. Sometimes we will speak about, um, it's not even really on the same page. It's the having a reef thing, isn't it? Kind of, it's like <laughs> when you grow up, we talk about like growing up in, in a working class area, growing up in the flat, seeing all the troubles that, that that went on, the drugs everywhere, the violence, there was fucking, a lot of uh, families would be in addiction and stuff like that. And you'll guess someone that will go, well, I grew up in the flats and my uncle's in addiction and I seen yeah. that, but I'm doing well, so why aren't you? Yeah. Well, what different, Pat? Yeah, of course, know? yeah. And it's just this kind of narrow mind of like, well, I'm doing all right, so so should you be. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, yeah. I had trauma, so why so, are you in addiction, you yeah, know? Yeah, great. Sorry, yeah. Go ahead, Chris. It's like it's like negligence, you know. Yeah. I can remember people used to drive me mad when he says, "I used to say, look, I'm really struggling with drugs," and you say, "Why don't you just stop?" Mm, you know oh, what I mean? I it's that that drives me yeah. boxy mad. Oh, when people are trying to compare what you're saying exactly, people are trying to compare you with somebody else. Every single person on this earth is different. We all have different coping mechanisms. You know what I mean? It like mm. I could be into to certain uh, genre of music. Somebody else is different. You know what I mean? But one thing as well that I do believe in that like that I do believe that we all have in in our sense and I'm very I'm very into spirituality and like souls you know what I mean and sometimes I'm a firm believer that you ever walk into a room and you can sense someone's been arguing in this mm, room yeah. you can just feel the energy is off I'm a firm believer that when we meet people our energies either can align or they can sort of devoid and you ever meet somebody or feel the way somebody is speaking around like that and you know straight away they're, they they can understand me. Mm. They can get me. You know what I mean? And when people start to realize this a little bit more, then they'll be able to start, start stop thinking with their head. Who should I hang around with? And start listening to themselves. Who do I feel comfortable with? You know what I mean? Mm. Who makes me feel safe? Who makes me feel secure? Who can I speak to on a, a, a Who level? Who can you be a full self? self with? Do you ever be that big, stupid child that's come to your mate? Yeah. And then after you're like, we're big kids, but you were comfortable enough to do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. you're in a safe environment. Yeah. Do you ever see that that meme where the two boys are laughing? They're not saying anything. They're breaking their yeah. shit laughing. That's what it's all about. Mm. That's what it's all about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. That's what I'm saying about the accountability though. So you have to live for it. Yeah. Like you're the one who's living with all that. You're going to make the, sh the shite decisions then going forward. You're going to be the prick to be around and you're going to keep going, well, this is what happened. But like, right, take the accountability now and yeah. say, right, I know it's happened, but this is what I'm going to do to improve. Do you know what I mean? And as you said, there's multiple ways. Like you might go into fitness, you might go into counselling, you might go into that. There's so many things out there, but you have to take the accountability to start going to them things. And I think with that as well, needs to be education because I think, and sometimes I, I, I'm not educated enough and sometimes I don't really believe it, but when I hear, if you do this, 
your head will start being better. I, I sometimes go, how will it be? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm still yeah. like that today. Yeah. Like I can wake up tomorrow and have a bad day and go, no one in this world knows what I'm thinking. Yeah. No one yeah, in this yeah. world knows what I'm going through. And you're so gonna no tell me, fix it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're gonna tell me if I go and do that, my head's now better. I don't believe you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I, I've gone back to therapy in the last couple of months, and I tell you what, I, I am a, a different person again. Yeah. Nowhere near where, where I need to be, but of course. But I mean that these things do work. Going to talk to a counselor works. Yeah. Going yeah. and doing fitness works. I know running is the best thing the whole entire world for me, yeah, haven't done in three months. Yeah, I know if I yeah, yeah. run, it'll be the best thing for me is just get myself out the fucking run. Do you get me? And another thing to add to that as well is it's not going to, like when you walk into the therapist and you walk out, you're not fixed. You don't walk no, out better, man. No, you don't walk no. into the gym and walk back in with shredded. It, yeah. It's a process. You yeah. have to keep going. You have to keep, you, you'll walk out a better man 1% better Yeah, you won't be instantly fixed but you're better than you were before you went in yeah. Yeah. do you know what I mean so you need to realise you're not like if you are feeling shit on Sunday I'm booked in to go council on Monday morning you're not fixed Tuesday morning yeah. It, yeah. It, it's a process it, just it takes time yeah. but yeah, it will incrementally get better it will it, it, is, it does work and there's multiple things out there as we said mm. might not work for you straight away but it will and, uh, I can't and if you can do the fucking all, do them all. If you can do a bit of therapy and go to the gym yeah. later on that day and then do something else that works, try and do it all, you get me? But I think educating people that it works is the big thing because sometimes I still doubt it. Like I said, I still doubt it today. Like tomorrow morning I'll wake up and I'll go, I don't even know when you just walk for me. What the fuck do I do? Yeah, Where do I go? Exactly. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it's trying to, say, trying, trying to let people know that because I think it's so easy to go, you have this whole life of baggage, you are dealt with all this trauma and this will work for you. And if you don't want to do that, you're just selfish and whatever. Yeah. It's trying to say, no, this will work because of this. Yeah. The, Chris, you are, you're now that person, yeah? So for me, you're now that person. You look at all the shit that you're at the going through, yeah? Now somebody listening to this is going to go, he's at the going through all that and he's all right sitting there. Yeah. Something's at mm -hmm. the wrong with him. Treatment worked. You said you're going to counselling and your fitness. There's three things. Someone out there now who's in a bad state, yeah. nowhere, don't even have to be in a bad state, can go, I can get to that mindset. Just so sitting there, articulating yourself so well. Now, nobody's saying that you don't go through shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, you still struggle. You're fucking human. Yeah, 100%. You know what I mean? You're going to yeah. wake up, you're going to have a bad day, you might have a bad fucking week, but you keep showing up. That's the thing. Mm. And people like you and many other people out there are the reason why so many other people will be educated. Yeah. That if I just keep showing up, life can be better. And you named three things there. You only have to try one of them. It's, yeah. yeah, it's the desire to get better. Joe Rogan spoke about it on his podcast as well before because like one of the biggest things now in my life is getting better. And I know that like everything, if something goes wrong, I learn. And if something goes right, I progress. You know what I mean? And like, do you know how hard it is waking up every single day doing something the best you can do and being still in the same position. That is very, very hard. But I've done it for the past two years. And if you had told me that two years ago, I'd be on the Talking Bollocks podcast with two of the boys who I spoke to you about this then before. I, I uh, can remember before I went into treatment and before I was starting to, to get sober, my ex-girlfriend had told me about Terrence's story and I was so jealous and I was so hurt and I was so resentful for anybody else who was trying to better themselves that I said, fuck them. 
And that's exactly what I've done then. I said, fuck them. And some people watching this will probably say, he's a fucking idiot on that podcast. Mm. And that's okay, because that's where they are. But I promise you, as soon as you try to get better, as soon as you understand that everybody in this world is some way in order fucked up just as bad as you, well, then it's your trauma that brings everybody together. And it's like that, it's like that feeling of comfortability, you know, when you know, you know what, that young flit is going through the same shit that I'm going through. And if he can do it, I can fucking do it. And that's what gives people that glimmer of hope, that glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel. And that's all you need to start is hope. All you need to see is that there's somebody else out there who is in a similar situation than you to get better. When I had mm. spots on my face, I used to say to myself, who had spots on their face and who has clear skin now? Do you get what I mean? Yeah. It's all that little pathway. And that's what some people need. You know what I mean? But if you're living your life resenting people and being jealous uh, of people, like the way I was before, it's only a ticking time bomb before you start to ruin your whole life. And there's a, a saying that I've heard before. Some people get a smack of a car before they realise, I should start crossing the road at the traffic lights rather than running across the road. Some people need a couple of smacks out of the cars <laughs> before they start to realise, hold on for a second, I need to fucking start crossing the road properly here. You know what I mean? And I was one of those persons mm. who got a couple of fucking smacks and mm. before I knew it. I used to think that debt was the worst thing that could happen to me. But I tell you one thing, there's a lot of things worse out there than death. Mm. And being in psychosis is hell on earth. Mm. And imagine living with that. I was lucky enough to come over. Not a lot of people are that lucky. I know a lot of people who are still stuck in it from this day, you know. And being able to walk away from that, to do everything that I've done, to be actually sitting here with you two boys and speaking about my story, I could have never wrote that. I could have never fathomed it. But the only way I got there was by doing it one day at a time mm. and by slowly but surely getting better. And that's where the Instagram page came up with, Get Better With Chris. Mm. Well, you're going to inspire thousands and thousands. I know that for sure. Very admirable, Chris, even like, to admit that, that you said, like, oh, no, fuck Terrence. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, yeah. I know, but like, <laughs> Sorry, I bro. I was sitting there. You won't catch him. He's going to go run. You won't catch him. No, but like, even admitting that, you know what I mean? Like, you could, you didn't have to say that. You could have just yeah, done yeah. this podcast and bounced away. But even admitting that, because yeah. I don't want to speak for you, but it can't, it can't be comfortable to admit that. And the fact that you did that, it shows, you know what I mean? Not letting your past keep you from your best. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're saying, look, here it is. This is how I felt. But I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah. And I'm laying it all out there. And then we move forward. It's just the way you, you go, you know what I mean? And sometimes when people are doing good for themselves, which he obviously was at that time, and I was in the shit, hmm. I didn't want to become aware of how I was doing at that time. And it's so easy to pick up the jealousy, the resentment, hmm. and point the finger at someone and say, yeah, but he's, he has his own fucking podcast because he had this or he had that or he had... But he didn't. He didn't, and I'm trying to pick flaws yeah. in his armour because I'm insecure of the way I am. And they call back to the side, that's running from your problems. Exactly. That's what that is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's running yeah. from your problems. The psychologist fell out the How would you get a job in psychology? <laughs> <laughs> that's my co-host. <laughs> Chris, you're on day 203. Yeah. yeah. What day did you start then? I don't want to do the maths on that one. Uh, what day did I start? Running uh, 5K consecutively. 
um, or date. Yeah. I don't know, it was 203 days ago. Yeah, but I just, I started her off to keep myself accountable. I started her off to keep myself. Owen, can you do a quick day check on that there? Go back 203 days, please. Just Google 203 <laughs> days ago and see what comes up. But I done it to keep myself consistent and I done it to keep myself accountable. And before I start putting the videos onto uh, Instagram, I started doing them on TikToks where I was trying to speak about my journey and everything else. And then before I knew it then, it just caught on with so many people. And then I was like, this is actually much more than me now. You know what I mean? This is getting people out of their beds. Like I had, I had so many poor fellas texting me about psychosis straight away. Saying, I'm going through the same shit. And I was like, look, whatever you can do, just get out there moving. And when I was still in psychosis as well, I left this bit out as well. Sorry. Um, I was getting my auntie and uncle to open the car door, park outside my house, open the car door, leave it open. And I'd dart from my house into the back of the, the car, lie down on the ground. They'd bring me over to the Phoenix Park and I'd do a 5K. No word of a lie. So even running back then? Even running back then. I knew that the, I knew I had a deep inner sense of belief that exercise was the way to regulate my brain. And the exercise was the way that I was going to start to get better. Fucking hell. I can't imagine this, that whole story was easy to tell there, but my God, you did a great fucking job, bro. Yeah, I was, I was nervous at the start, but sorry. No, but seriously, <laughs> no. like, the details had to go into there, and everything that you're at the telling us couldn't have been easy, but I'm telling you that's going to help thousands of people out no, there, you know what I mean? I appreciate mean? it. And uh, people will relate to it, and I already told you before you came in, I'm a fucking fan, I can't yeah. grab you on Instagram. No, I, I randomly, do you know what I randomly do? I was with a friend the other day and I said, this, this fella, this actually before I asked, uh, before I rang it about coming on, I said, this fella, I'm fucking addicted to his page. Do you know what I randomly do? I just go into your Instagram and I flick up and I just click on a random video because every video means something to me. Yeah. I can relate to something in, a, yeah. in every single video. I'm like, this fucking fella knows it. This fella has the game wrapped up. I appreciate it. I'm a fan man. and I just think you're unbelievable and you're an inspiration. Um, what was 203 days ago so we can wrap this up? We're in here about nine hours. <laughs> 20, 20 of March, there you go. Mad. Three days after Paddy's Day. I think I'm sober. Me sober anniversary is the 14th of March, I think. Mm. I would have done that after that, yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Week, week later. Yeah. So, at Get Better With Chris on Instagram. Everyone go around, give him a follow. And else you want to plug while you're here, Chris? I just appreciate the boat just having me on, you know. And for anybody who's listening, you know, if you can relate to one thing in that, you know what I mean? Even if you're listening to this and thinking to yourself, like, that fella is a fucking idiot. There's, a, there's something going on there that requires you to, to start to look for a little bit of help. Because before you know it, things just get worse and worse. And it's only a matter of time before you'll either pay the ultimate price, you'll either end up in jail, You'll either end up in a hospital or you'll end up in the ground, you know. Mm. And sometimes you don't want to reach those things before you want to get better, you know. Um, and yeah, that's it. Look for the help because it's out there. Brilliant. What a man. Wrap it up then, Terry. Yeah, Terry, because you're out there. Boom! Subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Loud app. What you waiting for? Put your back in it. Just a little The hip knocker.